When bad things happen, do you trust Christ's words? We'll talk about it on today's Bible Study Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Bible Study Podcast. My name is Justin and I'll be your host as we venture through the Gospel of John. It's great to be with you again this week. We're going to be getting into one of the most popular passages in the New Testament as we make our way to John chapter 11, where we learn of the death of Lazarus and Jesus' actions surrounding that death. Now I'm really excited to get to walk through this passage with you as I feel there are a lot of things we can learn from this passage, as well as getting to go through one of the most dramatic signs or miracles that John records for us. But before we start into this, I'd like to remind you that if you'd like to contact me for any reason at all, feel free to drop me an email at BibleStudyPodcastJustin at gmail.com. And with that said, let's open with a word of prayer. Our Father, you are the God who always hears us, the Holy One of Israel, And we pause in praise of your holiness. We pray that your kingdom would come quickly. That it would come for us, Lord, and that we would be a people who praise you daily with our lives. Help us to learn about you, O Lord, and help us to know how we should live. We thank you and we praise you. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look back over the last few chapters, heading into John 11... You may remember with me the case John has been building through his gospel concerning the identity of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Going back to chapter 8, we see Jesus declare to the people that he is the light of the world, that all who look upon him will be saved. And as we moved into chapter 9, we saw Jesus back this statement up by healing a blind man, a miracle that none had seen before. As a man who had never seen light his entire life, now is able to see light as he looked upon and believed in the true light of the world, Jesus. But having shown us the miracle, a sure sign that God was speaking through Jesus, John records in chapter 10 Jesus' revelation of his character. He notes that he is the good shepherd. Now this leads to the Jews' attempted murder of our Savior, as he has made it clear in chapter 10 that he is God. He's God in the flesh, a fact that the Jews see as blasphemy. That leads us up to our passage in John 11. Now you may be wondering, why does that lead us here? Well, now that we've seen that the character of our Lord is that of a good shepherd, we're going to see that character tested. That is, we are now going to see whether all that Jesus told us about himself is indeed true. As he said himself in John 10.10, He has come that we may have life. But as we enter John 11, this is the very premise that will be tested. In other words, the question is, has Jesus really come that we may have life? Can I believe what he says? Now I'd like to ask you to turn in your copy of our Father's Word to John chapter 11, where we'll pick up in verse 1. And as you turn, I'd like to ask you, what do you do when you're faced with a tragedy? What do you do when a loved one dies and there seem to be no answers? Where do you turn? Who do you look to? Think about that for a moment as we begin with John setting the scene for us here in verses 1-3. through Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord of the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sister sent word to him, saying, 
Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. So the scene opens with a picture of an event in Bethany, a small city about two miles southeast of Jerusalem. Now, as you may remember, Jesus at this time is still on the other side of the Jordan, as we saw last week. And he's there as he ministers to those who had followed John the Baptist. We are taken back, though, more or less, to the suburbs of Jerusalem. It's here that we see Lazarus, a man living with his two sisters, who's fallen ill. We're still not told a good deal about the family yet, but we know that Mary, Lazarus' sister, is the one who will anoint Jesus' feet. But friends, this won't actually happen in John's Gospel until John 12, verse 3. Now, this is kind of an interesting note for us today, because it's apparent that at least Mary and the anointing which she gave our Lord is famous enough that she's known for her actions by the audience to which John writes. In other words, her story must have been told throughout the church to the point that John can easily refer to her deeds before he even records what her deeds were. Now, while this doesn't tell us a whole lot more, it does at least let us know that this family was somewhat well-known within the church to whom John was writing. So there is some significance here. As their brother was ill, they sent for Jesus, telling him that the one he loves is sick. Now, we'll get into this a little bit more in a second, but let's read on into verses 4 through 6. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. First off, let's take a look at Jesus' saying here. Because it's interesting because he gives us almost a purpose statement for the illness that Lazarus is suffering from. But he also foreshadows what is to come to those who are around him, the disciples. He clearly says, this sickness is not to end in death. That is, the purpose of this sickness is not to be death for Lazarus, but rather, the purpose of this sickness is to bring glory to God so that the Son of God may be glorified by this sickness. Just as an introductory note here, I'd like to point out that Jesus says the reason for this sickness is so that the Son of God will be glorified through the process of bringing glory to God. Have we ever stopped and thought about the purpose for sickness in our lives? Please note we're not saying that the cause of the illness is God. Sickness is a byproduct of our sin nature, an effect of the fall. However, God, who can use even man's sin to bring glory to his name, has a higher purpose for allowing sickness to go on. Perhaps this is something that we should consider as we go through sickness and pain. Is God working through this to use me as an instrument to bring glory to his name? But then we're informed of why this family has gotten in touch with Jesus in the first place. They're friends. They love one another. Now while this explains verse 3, it makes verse 6 seem somewhat puzzling to us. If Jesus loved this family, and he received news that one of its members was sick, why did he stay two more days? This seems counterintuitive to many of us. Our natural reaction to hearing that someone who is close to us is sick is to reach out to them immediately, as soon as possible, and be there to give them any help that we may be able to offer. But here we see something different, and I believe there's a lesson that must be learned to understand what is at work in this passage. In fact, this is the same lesson that we will see Martha have to learn in verses 21 to 26. And it is a lesson that answers the question, Do you really trust God? 
And many times in our church circles, we talk about trusting God, and we'll say that we have put our trust in Him. But the question that we're forced to deal with here is, do we really trust Him? Because remember, Jesus has just told us that this sickness as a whole is taking place to bring glory to God, and in the process to glorify the Son. Further, He's already said it will not end in death. If this is the case, then we know there is a purpose for this sickness, and ultimately there must be a purpose for Jesus not running to Lazarus right away. But are we really prepared to handle this? I don't know about you, friends, but I think this is one of the hardest lessons to learn, and it's something I'm really being confronted about in my own life. You know, we, we profess Christ, and we have turned to Him for salvation, but do we always trust Him on everything? Even the everyday things, even the extreme things, do we trust Him? I'd like to remind you of my approach and my premise to this entire passage that I started the podcast with. I really want to encourage you to study the passage and come to your own conclusion of this, but I personally feel that John has placed this episode in John 11 directly after John 10 for a reason. I believe that reason is that because Jesus has told us about himself in John 10 and how he treats his sheep, now we are seeing that in action. In other words, it's what he said in John 10, actually what he does in John 11. Remember some of the words Jesus just said a chapter before us now. He says to those who follow him, those who are his sheep, in verse 10, they may have life, and not just any life, but abundant life. In verse 28, he says that those who believe in him will have eternal life, and no one can snatch them out of his hand. He says back in verse 11 that he lays down his life for his sheep. The picture repeatedly given here is that Jesus protects his sheep and he keeps their best interests in mind to the point that he would even give his life for them. In verse 9, he tells us that those who enter through him will go in and out and find good pasture. That is, their needs are supplied for them. They are given the good. Yet the question still remains in our minds. If Jesus says he is always looking out for our good, that he's protecting us, that he is the one who is calling us and has made us part of his flock, why is he letting us go through the sickness? Why does he allow some to have cancer? Why does he allow some to suffer pain? Why isn't he there day one? Why does he wait two days? I think this is why this chapter is so vital to our understanding of the Christian life. And I believe that it is the reason John records it for us. Sometimes we go through bad things. As we'll see next week in Lazarus's case, it gets even worse. He dies. And yet we're given this quote in verse 4. This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. The question that I pose to you is this. Do you trust Him enough to believe that? Worded another way, can you believe that Christ is faithful? Can you believe that when He says that He loves you and will protect you to the point that He will lay down His life for you, he really means it all the time. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It, it's tough. There's one thing to say that we love Christ and we want to glorify Him, but it's a whole other can of worms to say that we can accept our illnesses and pains because we know that God may be glorified through it. You know, it's easy to say we trust God when we just won the lottery, when we've just been given a huge inheritance. But friends, it's, it's tough to believe that Christ will provide for us when we're spending our last dollar paying for gas to go look for a job that we've been laid off from. It's tough. 
But see, friends, that's exactly the point. If you want to be a committed follower of Christ, if you really want to be a Christian, your faith must be strong. But as James 1 tells us, the only way that you get a strong faith is through your faith being tested. And it's only tested by trials. And that takes us right back to the initial question I posed to you. Do you trust Christ? Will you take Him at His word? Sometimes that may even involve being willing to wait. To go through sufferings. Because friends, even though we may suffer now, if we can trust Christ, if we can take Him at His word, and, and we'll see in this chapter what happens if we do, but if we can take Him at His word, He's promised us that we will be with Him. We will have eternal life. That glory will come to His name through our sufferings. But can we trust that? Do you believe Him? Do you take Him as His Word? As we close, I, w I want to give some hope to those of you who are suffering even now. To the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 32, when telling the people about how God would take vengeance on the nations who attacked the people of God, Moses gives a beautiful promise to us. He says, For the Lord will vindicate His people and will have compassion on His servants when He sees that their strength is gone and there is none remaining. God will not leave you in pain. He will not make you suffer forever. Take hope in knowing that the Good Shepherd is a compassionate one. As Psalm 23 reminds us of our Good Shepherd, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's no need to fear. God's with us. He is the one who will restore our soul. He makes us lie down in the green pastures. He is the one who will redeem us if we will but trust Him. So even though it may seem pointless, even though it may seem hopeless, the message is, do you believe that the, the literal truth of God, the Word of God in flesh, when He says something, it will happen? Above all odds, above all cases, do you trust Him enough to believe that? We'll see in Lazarus' case, Jesus promised this will not end in death. But as we get into it next week, the odds are pretty stacked against it. Lazarus is going to die. So we'll see. Was Jesus telling the truth? Friends, I, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know if you're facing hard times or if, if you're just floating through on easy street. But I want to tell you something. And, and friends, this is from the heart. I want to tell you for sure. Jesus is the truth. When He says something, it is real, it is actual. When He promises you something, it will happen. So friends, even though it may look like in the time you're at now, it may look hard, it may look like something you didn't sign up for. When Jesus says, no one can snatch you out of my hand, it's true. So I want to challenge you. Will you trust Him? Will you take Him at His word and believe Him? I kind of feel it's very necessary to close today's lesson with prayer. So let's do that. Our Father, Father, we know there are those who are hurting. 
We know there are those who have suffered loss or are suffering themselves. And, and we pray that you would remind us that in all things, even in pain, we can bring glory to your name. Comfort us when we hurt. Help us to rest and turn to you. And remember that you are the good shepherd. You are the one in whom we trust. We pray that your kingdom would come quickly, Lord, so that we may be with you, our great God, in all of your glory and your power. Give us strength, O Lord, so that we may face those who oppose you and oppose your gospel. Remind us to come before your throne in prayer at all times. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us so that we may have rest in you. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. And until we meet again, friends, may God bless and keep you. lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org, a paraministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus. Unseen, a living hope is here. A living hope is here. Living hope is here. A living hope is here. A living hope.